All right, girls, good morning. Let's, uh, let's begin. So we are continuing in Meretz Hashem in the Laila. We focused over the last couple of days, or the last couple of classes, on focusing on the concept of the Emunascha Balelos and the notion of Emunah. So we've seen already a couple of different sources and a couple of different approaches. We saw Rashi's interpretation, again, as we mentioned before, that the entire capital of this entire Mizmor Shili Yom HaShavos is actually a reference to the Yom Shekula Shabbos, a reference to the Messianic era. But then we saw other explanations. Our last class, we focused a lot on the Mari Yecheskel in source number six, where the Mari Yecheskel explained that in fact, this capital, this particular phrase is not a reference to the Messianic era, but instead ultimately, again, as a reference to life itself. A reference to the idea, Lahagid Baboker Chastecha, referring to those times in life where the chesed of the Ribono Shal Olam is apparent, ve'emunas chabalelos. But Laila ultimately referring to the difficult, challenging moments in life. Well, how do you deal with the difficult and challenging moments in life? A recognition or an understanding that hopefully the chesed of the Ribono Shal Olam is still manifest even during difficult times in life. Ve'emunas chabalelos. Even if I can't see the chesed of the Ribbono Shalom, some way, somehow, I still believe it to be present. So to continue on the theme of developing... What is that? No, 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 it's, it's, un- it's unplugged. It's unplugged already. Must be sorry, maybe it's the heat. Okay. In any event, so just to continue a little bit on, on this theme of, of Emunah, take a look at number seven. So from the Sefer Be'ar HaParsha and Parshas Acharimos... He writes something truly beautiful. He writes over here, Umin Haroi, Lahasmich as Divre Harava Kadush Rabisomi Chartkov. Quotes over here from the Chartkov Rebbe who says as follows Shiksha, Madua Bimaton Torah, Matsinu Shehigvila Kadush Baruch Vasisrala Fiki Dushasa. See, he quotes a very interesting dynamic. He explains that by Matan Torah, so Klaudisol was arranged in accordance with different levels. For example, we know Moshe Rabbeinu ascends to the top of the mountain. Below Moshe Rabbeinu was who? Was who? But was Yoshua, was Aaron, and then ultimately again the rest of the people arranged at the base of the mountain. Even by the base, there were different levels, people arranged in different ways. But at the end of the day, he notes again that by Harsinai, by Matan Torah, people were admitted or people were allowed access in accordance with their standing and in accordance with their station. He goes on, he says, See here again, he quotes over here, the Mechilta, Moshe Rabinu stood in his own Mechita, in his own area, Aaron in his own area, the Zekanim stood in their area, and afterwards all of Klal Yisrael. Okay, so that's by Matan Torah, we're all familiar with that. But he makes an amazing contrast. See, yet interestingly enough, something happens by Kriyas Yamsuf. By Kriyas Yamsuf, everyone was able to see the Ribbon Shalolo. Right? Shivcha Alayam is a reference to who? What does Shiv Chalayam really represent? Right, even just the most regular people, the most regular ordinary people saw Hashras Hashkina, saw some type of manifestation of the Ribbon Shalolam. So, so, okay, so now you see where he's going with this. Chad Kavrab explains the contrast. Why is it that by Matan Torah, there's Hagbala, right? By Matan Torah, 
Everyone has their place, everyone has their station, everyone has their makom. Yet, amazingly enough, when it comes to Kriyas Yamsuf, everyone sees the Rebano Shal Olam. Even the most regular, ordinary of people sees HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what's the pshat? He goes on, he says, Velonis Bayer, Shum Shinoi Begili Ashkina. Mashma Shekulam Hayushavim Lutoba, Barosam Zekili Vanveu. So it's actually a very dramatic contrast. By Kabbalah Satora, different people saw different things, and different people perceived different things. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu's Kabbalah Satora is different than Aaron, is different than Yoshua, is different than the Zekinim, is different than the regular Cloud Israel. And yet by Kriya Samsov, it appears that everyone perceived and experienced the same exact thing. Everyone said, Everyone saw and perceived the Rebano Shal Olam in the same way. So turn the page, he explains. So the question is why? The question is why is there a different experience by Matan Torah than there is by Harsin, I'm sorry, than there is by Kriyas Yamsuf. And he says so beautifully, Mebar begins in Yisrael, Ki Kabbalas HaTorah achin inena shava b'chol b'nei Yisrael. Ela kol echad l'fi arko kach yikadal. Kefi achanosa l'kabbalas HaTorah kach hi tagia elav. V'yalkein hayukama madregos u'mechitzos b'matan Torah. So this is incredible. Does everyone have the same Kabbalas HaTorah? Does everyone have the same Kabbalas HaTorah? What would you say? No, why not? Why doesn't, think about what she says in your own, does everybody have the same relationship with Torah? Does every single person have the same relationship with Torah? Absolutely not. Again, think about this just a moment. You have some people, and this is very important, some people who could learn, some people who aren't so good at learning. Right? Some people, again, who are intellectually advanced and astute, and some people who take a longer time to process and understand not everyone has the same relationship with Torah. This, this is an incredibly important idea. And this is important for a variety of levels, which is, this is why Shlomo HaMelech espouses the concept of Chanoch Lenar Apidarko. The notion, the notion that Chinuch, the notion that education has to be tailored for every person individually because people learn. I don't know if anyone here, is anyone here studying education? No? No one's going into Chinuch? I'm sorry? Are teaching right now. Got it. So, okay, so maybe if you've ever te- taken a course in education, there is a fascinating concept called multiple intelligences, which is true. This is not just a din in teaching. It's actually a din in understanding people. Different people learn in different ways. Right? So multiple, there's a kinesthetic learner. There, there are people learn in different ways, which now modern, modern education, Baruch Hashem incorporates this concept. You see this especially with younger children. Some people learn by frontal teaching. Some people learn by being engaged. Some people learn through activities. People learn in, in a variety of different ways. So Chanuch Pidako means that at the end of the day, every single person relates to Torah and relates to learning in a different way. So the child cover explains something amazing. This is why by Kabbalah Satorah, Different people were on different levels, right? Moshe had an experience that Aaron could not have. And Aaron had an experience that the Zikinim could not have. And the Zikinim had an experience that the rest of Kalal Yisrael could not have. Everyone perceives Torah in a different way. But watch this, this is incredible. And therefore again, that's manifest in the fact that different people accessed Har Sinai on different levels. Interestingly enough, Masha'in came Bekriyas Yamsuf, Sham Kanu Bene Yisrael Es Ha'amuna Bechaylam. And this is incredible, and I, I think this is just a fascinating idea. 
What's the difference between Kriyas Yamsuf and Kabbalah Satorah? I know that sounds like a strange question, but from a theological or from a religious perspective, wherein lies the fundamental difference between Kriyas Yamsuf and Matan Torah? So the Chart Kavar Rebbe posits, and it's an incredibly profound idea, Matan Torah is easier. What was the point of Matan Torah? Get the Torah, right? Very simple idea, right? Remember again, the Torah is our life. The Torah is not just a book of laws, but the Torah is the entire code of successful living. The entire, the ent- everything you need, ultimately, again, to be a successful individual, to be a successful Jew, to be a successful human being. So Kabbalah's Torah was to convey to us Torah and all of its concepts. What was the point of Kriyas Yamsuf? What was the point of it? What would you say? What did we gain? Now, of course, there's utilitarian purpose, Kriyas Yamsuf. The utilitarian purpose was? I'm sorry? Right. In other words, the, the utilitarian purpose was we were in trouble, and really it was the end, it was the decimation of the Egyptians. Right? Essentially, if you think about it to a certain degree, Kriyas Yamsuf was kind of like the 11th Makkah. It's kind of like the 11th Makkah. In other words, the Makkahs were there to weaken the Egyptians, to weaken their resolve, to weaken their will, ultimately to also punish them for the horrors they visited upon Klal Yisrael. And Kriyas Yamsuf was like the end. It was the end of Mitzrayim. But the chart cover says, that's fine. That's what Kriyas Yamsuf was to the Egyptians. But what was Kriyas Yamsuf really for Klal Yisrael? What did it accomplish for us? It created, excellent, it created our Emuna Bashan. Because this is actually quite fascinating. Remember, did the Makos engender or create Emuna? What would you say? Good. Why, why yes? Did it work? What's the clear proof that the Makos did not engender Emuna? Excellent. Four-fifths died in Choshech. So remember again, by the time we're rolling around to Makkah number nine, four-fifths of the Jews, right? The Chamushim Alu B'nei Yisrael Eretz Mitzrayim. Rashi says, only one-fifth of Klal Yisrael left Egypt. Four-fifths did not leave. Why not? Because at the end of the day, they, either they didn't want to, they didn't believe. So obviously the Makos did not instill a sense of emuna in Klal Yisrael, at least in four-fifths of Klal Yisrael. So it explains the chart cover up something so beautiful that the entire purpose of Kriyas Yamsuf was to instill that emuna in the Ribbono Shal Olam. That was the tachlis of Kriyas Yamsuf. And by the way, now once you understand that that's the purpose of Kriyas Yamsuf, because think about this. Remember again, Kriyas Yamsuf said that you ha- what do you have to be willing to do in life? What do you have to be willing to do? You have to be willing to walk into the raging sea and believe that the Ribbono Shal Olam is going to take care of you. And that is why the seed does not split, the Gemara explains, Ad Shekafatz Nachshon Ben Aminadav. Someone had to walk in. And remember, the Gemara Masech Sota relates that we often think, Nachshon Ben Aminadav, he stuck his pinky toe in, and suddenly again, everything just split. The Medj, actually, not the Gemara, the Medjish relates that Nachshon Ben Aminadav goes up to his neck in water. He says, Elokim Ba'umayim Ad Nafesh, I can't go anymore. If I go anymore, I'm going to die. Interestingly enough, that same metric repeats itself twice. One is by, one is by Kriyas Yamsuf. The other time you hear someone saying, Ba'omayim ad nafesh is when? Anyone know? So Yonah, Yonah does, I don't know if the Medrash quotes, I don't know if the Medrash quotes that Lashon by him, but it's possible. Right? Where else do you see that? But at least in the Medrash. Avram Avinu on the way to the Akedah. 
Right, uh, remember again, the Medrash relates that the Satan appeared, or the Satan tried to derail Avram Avinu a variety of different ways. The last way he tries to do it, ultimately again, is by becoming a river of water. And Avram Avinu goes into the river of water and he says, I can't go anymore. So ultimately again, so the chart cover explains so beautifully that the entire essence of Kriyas Yamsuf was to instill within us a sense of emuna. That I have to be willing to walk into the raging sea and really believe with all of my heart that somehow, some way, the Ribbono Shal Olam is going to take care of me. And here he says something absolutely amazing. He says, Sham Yamsuf, Sham Kanu Yamsuf, that is where we acquired our emuna in Hashem. Ube, listen to these words. Ube emuna, Ein hevdel ben gadol lekatan ben tzadik leshivcha. What what does that phrase mean? Ubeemuna ein hevdel ben gadol lekatan ben tzadik leshivcha. How would you understand that phrase? Anyone? Yes. Beautiful. You see, you see the contrast between Torah and Nemuna. By Torah, not everybody's on the same level. Not everybody's on the same level. You could have a great Talmud Chacham, and a simple Jew is not on the same level of Torah as a Talmud Chacham. Talmud Chacham might know all of Shaz. Talmud Chacham might know all of Poskim. Talmud Chacham might know Babli, Yerushalmi. Every, again, and a simple Jew does not know that same Torah. Not everybody is on the same level when it comes to Torah. The chariot cover saying when it comes to Amuna, everyone has the ability to climb to the same heights. Everyone has the ability to reach the same exact levels. And says the chariot cover, this is not his idea. He says, this is what Rashi means. This is what the Mechilta means. Rashi goes to Mechilta when it says, Zekel Ivanveyu, right? The Shira, this is my God and I will exalt him. So Rashi, according to Mechilta, understands that literally by Kriya Samsov, they were able to point to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The simplest of Jews saw the same thing, or even saw even what was greater than what Yechezkel, the Nabi Yechezkel ben Buzi saw. When it comes to Amuna, everyone has equal access to Amuna. Whether you're a simple Jew, whether you're a Tamut Chacham, whether you're a Tzaddik, whether you're a Pashat, whoever you are, whether you're a Shivcha or you're someone else, everyone has the ability to reach the same levels of emuna. Now let's take a step back of this just a second. What kind of emuna is the chart cover talking about? What would you say? Going back to some of our previous classes, what type of emuna? Emuna pshuta. Right? Because remember, again, as we've seen, there are, as we've discussed, there are different levels of emuna. There is an emuna which is informed by Torah. Right? There is an emuna which is informed by knowledge. There's intellectual emuna and there is emotional emuna. So do, does everybody have the same level of intellectual emuna? No, not at all. Not at all. Someone who learned Derech Hashem, someone who learned Chavos HaLavavos, someone who learned, it says, so that there are people, if you learn more, you can have a heightened sense of intellectual emuna. And someone who learns less doesn't have that same emuna. But when it comes to emuna pshuta, when it comes to what we'll call emotional emuna or emuna rigshi, Right? It, which is an, an emotional emunah and a simple emuna in the Ribbon Shalom that is not informed by knowledge and that is not informed by logic and that is not informed by intellect. 
everyone has, everyone has the ability to reach that same level of Amuna. Such an incredible idea. And that's why by Kriyas Yamsuf, there were no levels, we'll call it, right? So I mean, now you appreciate the contrast. By Kabbalah Satora, there were levels. There was Moshe, there was Yoshua, there was Aaron, there was the Zikinim, there was Kalali Sokos, Chushmarach was broadcasting a message. Not everyone has equal access to Torah. Not, I should say differently. Everyone has equal access. Not everyone experiences the same growth in Torah. Different people learn different ways, learn different amounts, absorb knowledge in variety of different mediums. Not everyone relates to Torah the same way. But when it comes to Amuna, everyone has the ability to become a Ma'amin. That is independent of your intellectual prowess, that is independent of your intellectual abilities. When it comes to Amuna Pshuta, everyone has the ability to climb to the highest level. So he goes on, he finishes up this piece, he says, Sham kanu b'nei shono kigam ha'adam So this is a quote, not from the Chakra, but it's so beautiful. Kigam ha'adam bisuna. Even a person who is small, so to speak, in Chachman Suna, in again wisdom and understanding, Emrak Yamin Be'emuna Pshuta Gidola, as Yosig Kimo Ha'adam Hagadol, Lolo Hevdol. This is incredible. So the, these words are exceptionally profound. Let's look at them again. Even a person who is small in wisdom and understanding. So even a person who is not so accomplished intellectually. If he, if he believes in Rak Yamin, Bemuna Pshuta Gidola, if he believes with a simple Amuna, a great yet simple Amuna, as Yasik. As Yasik means what? Means what? He can understand the world. And Baruch Hu, Kimo Ha'adam Hagadol, like the greatest person, Lolo Hevdal, without any distinctions. Vahinu, Sha'al Yideha Emuna, Yasik hakatan keasagas hagadol, and therefore again through Amuna Pshuta, the simplest of Jews could become as great as the greatest of Jews. Now let, let's analyze this for just a little bit. What's the tachlis of Torah? What's the what, what right when we speak about learning? What what's the tachlis of Torah? What would you say? No, no, yes. But other people besides SD are allowed to speak. I just, I just want to throw that out to the class. Yes, go ahead. Good. So on a most basic level, Torah teaches me how to live. I have to know the Ratzon Habore. Good. Excellent. Right? I can't be expected to be a good Jew unless, of course, I know what the expectations of a good Jew actually are. Excellent. Good. What else? What else? To come closer to our Kodesh Baruch. What was the last part? To learn Torah. Right? So, so let's, let me build on this just a little bit. It's not just to come closer, but it's to know the Ribbon Shalom. Remember again, there is this great anomaly in our relationship with Hashem. Because the Ribbon Shalom is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. Right? Meaning the Ribbon Shalom is omnipresent, he's, he's all the time, he's all knowing, omniscient, and he's omnipotent, he's all powerful. And yet, again, he's also unknown, ambiguous, amorphous, and intangible. So there is this great anomaly. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everything, yet 
if you ask me what he is, if you ask me what he is, at the end of the day, I have difficulty articulating, which is why Chazal tell us that in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, yes? We know what Hashem is, but we know what He isn't. What, like what? What He isn't. So what isn't He? Well, I guess you could say, you could say what he's, not, he's, not, he's not this, right? He's not this, but yet, but yet He's not a physical form. I guess that... I'm sorry, say that again? Oh, so this, this is what I was just going to get to in just a moment. By the way, just on that topic of we, know, we don't know what Hashem is, but we know what He isn't, I just want to... I, I hear that, although I think that's interesting also. Like you could say the Ribbono Shal Olam is not the Shtender. That, that, that's true. But yet, is the Ribbono Shal Olam intertwined with the Shtender? He is. Right? Because remember, again, nothing exists in this world without the Ribbono Shal Olam, which means that the Ribbono Shal Olam somehow in his essence is intertwined with everything. So is there something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not? I don't know, it's interesting. I, I never heard that formulation before. I would also just tell you, in general, I always say, it's never good to define things by what they're not. Just like it's never good to define, you know, sometimes do people do this also, like even in terms of formulating their own personal hashkafas. I could, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. That, that's fine, that's fine, but more importantly than what you're not, who are you or what are you? But again, but I hear that, but, but going back to what was just mentioned, interestingly enough, when Chazal teaches us, or when the Torah says, v'halachta bidrachav, right? You're supposed to walk in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara is already bothered by this. What does that mean? How can you walk in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Like we just said before, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. So how could I walk in his ways? So that's why, again, Chazal understand divine emulation. Mahurachum afatarachum. Mahub mabisharumim afatamabisharumim. Mahum evakecholim afatam evakecholim. So there's divine emulation. Yes? As, by the way, excellent, excellent point. Let's talk about this just a moment, then I'm going to get back to this topic, because that's not a tangent. It's actually an incredibly important point. We know what we need to know. This is one of the most important things. Sometimes, sometimes I'll give you, let, me, let me give you by way of example. Does Judaism believe in philosophy? Does Judaism place a value on philosophy? Again, I'll give you a hint. Either way, you're right. Right? <laughs> Well, think about this. Do we have, do we have major Jewish philosophical works? Yeah. Of course we have, right? right? We, we, we have plenty of Jewish philosophical works, but it's very interesting. Jewish philosophy, Jewish philosophy was not around from the beginning for one simple reason. Judaism is an actional religion. We're an actual, we are all about doing. Philosophy is very profound, but very often, what does philosophy yield? Right? So philosophy usually creates philosophers who then in turn philosophize more, who create more philosophy and then create more philosophers, right? And, and again, so it's fascinating. It's incredible. And like the Rambam engaged in philosophy because he felt other religions were engaging in philosophy and Jews would be drawn to those other philosophical streams. So Judaism needs its own body of Jewish philosophy as well. But it's an incredible thing that ultimately, again, if you look at Yiddishkeit at its core, 
it doesn't really place that much of an emphasis of philosophical development. Because almost to a certain degree, we know what we need to know in order to be successful. Do I understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Does any Do any of us really understand Hashem? No. So what does that tell you? That I don't need to. That I don't need to. It would be interesting. I would love to understand the Kodesh. Who wouldn't want to understand the Kodesh Baruch Hu? Who wouldn't want to understand how the Rebbe Shalom runs his world and why certain things happen? But obviously, if I don't have that knowledge, that means I don't need it in order to accomplish my mission in this world. I am here for a purpose. I am here to accomplish something. So at the end of the day, anything I need, any tools I need to accomplish a mission, I have. And anything I don't have, then by definition I don't need. Which tells me that a real comprehensive understanding of the Ribbon Shal Olam is not necessary for me to accomplish my mission. Now, does it mean that I shouldn't strive to understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Of course I should. Of course I should. To the best of my abilities. But I must also accept that I will never fully, fully comprehend. Hence, we come full circle to Emunah. To Emunah. Right? Think about it. Was there a theo- Think about this in just a moment. If you were a Jew, if you were a Jew standing at the Yamsuf, right? Incredible. You saw Ra, Shif, Chalim, you saw. You're left with one simple question. What's the one question you had? Well, well think about it in just a moment. Right? You're standing there, you saw everything amazing. What's the one question you walk away with? I'm sorry? Okay, see, interesting, like, now what? Now what? Good. Which is absolutely, which is why, by the way, amazing of what happens right after Kriyas Yamsov. What's the next episode after Kriyas Yamsov? It's a Chumash question. Mara. Mara. Where ultimately Claudius Rokhans, because this is, an, this is an, it's an excellent point, that Amuna is powerful when you have something to plug it into. Right? But when there's not necessarily a comprehensive framework to plug it into, sometimes it's just poreach ba'abir. Good. But if you're at Kriyas I don't know, if I was at Kriyas Yamsuf, maybe I'm a little bit more sarcastic than the rest of you. So I would think to myself, why, like, why all the buildup? Right? Why? Remember again, remember the story leading up to Kriyas Yamsuf? What does Klal Yisrael do in the moments before the Yamsuf splits? What do they do? Right? They turn on Moshe, and they turn on the Riban Shalom, effectively. Right? They, they, they turn. Okay, it's great. Then the Amsof splits. Incredible, 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 incredible. If I'm there, I'm thinking to myself, you could have saved me so much Admas Nafesh. Why couldn't you just split the sea three hours earlier? It's so like this, I know I'm coming, I'm walking in, the sea is split, there's no anxiety, there's no angst, I don't have to worry about the pursuing Egyptians. And again, it would have made my life so much easier. So why didn't Nechadosh Baruch do that? Why didn't he do that? Right, because first of all, remember, Emuna requires effort. Emuna doesn't just appear. You needed a Nachshon ben Aminadav to walk into a raging sea. You had to believe that ultimately, again, if you walk through it, that the water was going to stay up in its walled form for long enough for you to get through there. The holy sowed of Kriyas Yamsov ultimately was Emunah. But Emunah is not without its questions. I'll tell you something fascinating. Torah relates. The Torah relates in Parshas Vayigash. After Yosef reveals his identity to his brothers, 
So right, and Yosef Aoda Bichai, the brothers come back, they tell Yaakov, Yosef is alive, he's the viceroy, and they, they all come down to Egypt. So the Torah relates something amazing. The Torah says that Yaakov Avinu, on his way down to Egypt, says, Vayizbach, I think the Lush of the Pasuk is, Vayizbach Zvachim Lelokei Aviv Yitzchak, or Lokei Yitzchak Aviv. He offered up Karbanos to the God, the father of Yitzchak. To the God, the father of Yitzchak. Which is interesting, right? Why the God, the father of Yitzchak? Why not just say he offered up or if you're going to start naming Avos, make it ultimately again Yitzchak in Avram. Why Yitzchak? And the Sfarim brings down something amazing. What was Yitzchak's Mida? Right? Gvura. Gvura means what? On the most basic level. Okay, it means all it says Gvura is Din. Right? Gvura is Din. Midas Hadin. Yitzchak Avinu is Midas Hadin. So the Sfarim brings down something amazing. That when Yaakov Avinu is on his way down to Mitzrayim, he offers up Kabbalah and he says, Hashem, thank you so much. But I have one question. Why did you do this? Remember again, Yaakov Avinu lost how many years of his life? How many years? Anyone? With the whole episode with Yosef, how many years of his life did he, did he lose? Over two decades. What did Yaakov Avinu do for two decades? What did he do? He sat Shiva. He sat Shiva for his son for two decades. He wasted two decades of his life because he thought his son was dead. And he was unable to move on. Now, after the fact, he realized why was he unable to move on? Because Yosef was alive. Right? This, this is the whole anomaly of the whole Yaakov Avinu story. Right? There's a concept of Hames Mishtachach Minalev, which means the living forget the dead, which is not literal. Anyone who's ever encountered loss knows you never forget your loved ones who, who die. But in the, mo- in the moments after loss, so the loss sits on the frontal lobe. But then over time, it gets pushed back a little bit into the subconscious so that it's not the primary thing I think about all of the time. Yaakov Avinu is unable to move on. <clears throat> For 21 years, he does absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing, but sit in his home with the shades drawn, sitting 21 years of Shiva. Now, after the fact, he realizes, I wasn't able to move on because my son Yosef was still alive. 21 years of inactivity. 21 years just gone by. 21 years with nothing, with Yaakov Avinu really being in a state of Shiva for 21 years. So as he's going down to Mitzrayim, this farm bring down, he offers up a carbon to the God of Midas Hadin. And he says, I'm so happy this story ended well. I'm so happy that Yosef is alive. But why did you do this? Why? Why? Why was this necessary? Because emuna, this is incredibly important. Emuna doesn't take away your questions. But what emuna, what emuna gives you is the ability to live with questions. Everyone has questions, right? Who amongst us doesn't have questions, right? Sometimes we have little questions, sometimes we have big questions. Sometimes something happens in life and I'm like, why did it have to go that way? But it's a little bit more minor. And still things, dramatic things happen in life and I wonder why did this have to unfold like this? So this is very important. Emuna doesn't take away your questions. The questions of life are the questions of life. What Emuna does is, I'm able to live with the questions because I accept the fact that I know about HaKadosh Baruch Hu what I need to know 
and there's a ton of stuff I don't know, and that's okay. That's okay. And Muna gives me the strength to live with my questions and to continue forward in life. There were questions by Yamsuf, but Amunu gives me the ability to walk through the water and to continue forward on in life. Yaakov Avinu, an incredible Baal Amuna, ultimately again has dramatic questions. Why did you do this? Right? If you're Yaakov Avinu, isn't it a legitimate question to say, why? Why? I thought my son was murdered. I thought my son was torn apart into a million pieces by a wild beast. I was deceived. Whether or not you know, Yaakov Avinu ever knew what the Shvatim, what the brothers did or not, there's a big machlokis. Did he ever know what actually happened to Yosef or not? You know, right? And some say he did know, some say he didn't know, some say he didn't want to know. But Lamaisigan, either way, why? Why, why, why? Emuna doesn't take away your questions, but Emuna gives you the strength to live and to move forward with your questions. Now, circling all the way back, so the chart covers coming along and saying something absolutely amazing. When it comes to Amuna, but Amuna Pshuta, and this is incredibly important, and that's why I just want to point out this notion of Amuna Pshuta is a big thing in Hasidus. That's why you often find it quoted by the Sfarim and by the great Rebbe's of yesteryear. Right? The Balshamta, this, this was the Iker of the Balshamta's Hashkafa, that the Balshamta believed that the simplest of Jews has the ability to rise to the greatest heights. Now, did, well, I just want to point out, why, why did the Baal Shem Tov, why did the Baal Shem Tov come up with this movement of Hasidus? Right? Not, not that he started with the intention to make a movement, but he started with the intention to create an ideology. Why, why, was, why did the Baal Shem Tov feel that his ideology was necessary? What did he see happening around him? A little bit of Jewish history here. So remember again, before the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, if you were able to learn, you were a Talmud Chacham, then what? Then what? then you were significant. But at the end of the day, if you couldn't learn, and by the way, couldn't, couldn't is a relative term. Some people couldn't because not everybody has the intellectual tools to become a Talmud Chacham. And even somebody who did have an intellectual tool, what about a person who didn't have the luxury, had to go to work or whatever else? So the Baal Tov saw that there are these whole cadres, these whole cohorts of simple Jews that are being marginalized. Not, not intentionally, just de facto marginalized. The Baal Tov said, even if you don't have either the abilities, the abilities or the opportunities to learn, you could maximize your personalistic greatness through emuna, And that's what the Chalkar is saying. You could become as great as the greatest tzaddik. Maybe not in his learning. Maybe not in his learning. But you could become as great as the greatest tzaddik in your emuna If you possess true Emuna Pshuta. And Kishmo Kenhu. Emuna Pshuta doesn't need the intellect. Actually, Emuna Pshuta actually rejects the intellect. Because the intellect does a whole variety of different things. The Emuna Pshuta simply says, Ribbon Shalom, I love you. I know you love me. You created the world. You choreograph everything. And that's how I live my life. Do I feel, do, am I filled with incredible questions? Absolutely. So many questions. But my amuna in you allows me to move forward with all of my questions. And recognizing that I may never get answers to those questions. But at the end of the day, my amuna pshuta allows me to go ahead and move forward. And therefore, it says the chart cover, hence the distinction between Kabbalah Satora and Kriyas Yamsuf. Kabbalah Satora, not everyone has the same relationship to Torah. This is incredibly important. You know, we, um, 
you know, not everybody has the same relationship to Torah. You know, I'll just tell you, just to, yeah, when it comes to Emunah, Kriyas Yamsuf, Zekil everyone goes ahead and experiences or has the ability to reach the same levels of Emunah. I'll just, I'll, I'll share with you one last piece, just to kind of, which now as we're talking about this, I, I think relates. There's a fascinating halach in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch in Yeradeh writes that if a mother cannot nurse her child, so, you know, b- before the days of synthetic formula, so if a mother couldn't nurse her child for whatever the reason, you would hire a wet nurse, right? You would hire someone else to nurse your child. So interestingly enough, the Shulchan Aruch says that if a Jewish mother can't nurse her own child, she should try to really hire another Jewish woman to nurse her baby. She shouldn't hire a non-Jewish woman to nurse her baby, okay? Where does this halacha come from? Take a wild guess. Where does this halacha come from? Excellent. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu. Because after all, again, bright, remember again, bis yofai, bas yofai is Moshe Rabbeinu. He tries to give him to an Egyptian wet nurse. He won't nurse. And ultimately, he ends up nursing from his own mother, from Yochaved. So therefore, the halacha says, just like Moshe Rabbeinu would only nurse from a Jewish mother or Jewish woman, so so to again, try to have a Jewish nurse. So the Satna Rebbe Zechitzadik Levracha asks a question. He says, what are you talking about? That was Moshe Rabbeinu. <laughs> that was Moshe. They're going to bring a raya in halacha from Moshe Rabbeinu. Gemara says, why wouldn't Moshe Rabbeinu nurse from a non-Jewish woman? Because the mouth that was going to that was going to speak with the Rebbe Shalom could only nurse from a Jew. That, that's Moshe Rabbeinu. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. And yet the Shulchan Aruch is bringing this down halacha for all of us based on Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Sam Rabbi says something amazing. He says, "Elamai, you begin to see. You begin to see." He actually phrases this in terms of chinuch, and he says, "When you're mechanich a child, you have to treat every child like they have the that they have the." Ability, or they have the potential to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. So it always intrigued me. What does that mean? Every child has the ability to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. Lo kambi Moshe od. Pasik says in the Pasik, Moshe Rabbeinu is a once in a universe type of personality. So perhaps what it's saying is legabe emuna. You're right. Not legabe Torah. Because remember, again, you can't be like Moshe Rabbeinu for Torah. You can't. You cannot be like Moshe Rabbeinu for Torah for one simple reason. Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah directly from the source, directly from the Ribbono Sha'olam. So no matter how great of a Talmud Chacham a person may become, your Torah can never be like Moshe's. But what? So how can you be like Moshe? So perhaps I could be like Moshe in Amuna. In Amuna. That when it comes to Amuna, and when it comes to Amuna Pshuta, Anyone could even be like Moshe Rabbeinu. So when the halacha says that we treat every child with the potential to be like a Moshe Rabbeinu, perhaps it's not Legabe Torah, but it's Legabe Emuna. And what an incredibly powerful yesod. With Torah, we're not all created equal. But when it comes to Emuna, Emuna Pshuta, not Emuna of the intellect, but Emuna of the heart, Emuna of emotion, we all have the ability to climb to the greatest heights. We all have the ability to accomplish as much as Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? We'll stop over here. We're going to spend one more class Wednesday. Emir HaSashem focusing on one last approach of the Torah Samagid and the Ma'orei Naim. And then Emir HaSashem will tie it back to Parak Shiva.